I would encourage you to sit on this side. I'm going to, yeah, we're going to orient over here, so I encourage you to, I know it's filling up here. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I've been told I need a gavel. I'm so glad to see you all here this morning and excited to be uh, on this journey together. I know this is a strange time to meet together, right, in August. Normally everyone's off and I know if some, some people have already said, I can't be there the first week or I can't be there the third week, is, can, I, can I still come? Absolutely, right? So uh, I will have handouts available if people want to learn more and, and, and find out what we did from week to week. So if you're missing week three, let me know, and afterwards I'll give you, I'll give you that. But my vacations, they were good. Good, never long enough, right? But that's okay. Uh, before we enter in, can we uh, have a moment of silence? Just to orient ourselves in the space, and then I'll open us in a word of prayer. Almighty, gracious, and heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gift of this day, for the opportunity to consider the ways that you have blessed us with this beautiful space, and to consider the gift of image through which we can see you in different ways, can behold the beauty around us. May we not take this for granted, but may, may we, through this class, be enriched in our vision of you, and may we see you more clearly and see how your spirit has worked throughout the generations to bring us here together today. We pray, Lord, that you would be with us. Bless all that we do and all that we say in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so why this side? And many people, as they came in, they were asking me, why can't I sit on that? Why can't I sit? Why can't? Right? Um, we are orienting to this mosaic and these windows, and that'll become a little clearer in a moment. Throughout the class, we will move around the sanctuary. So this week, we'll be here. We may be here two weeks, depending on how much we get through today. Uh, we will spend a week focusing on uh, the, the windows around the balcony. If you are unable to do stairs, you will still be able to hear me and see the windows from the floor. This part of the reason we have these um, folding chairs, because we will orient some straight up to the healing window. If you are able to do chairs, we'll invite you then to come up to the balcony. I believe that'll be week three. Week four, we'll finish over here looking at these windows, okay? So in our time together, uh, we're going to study the windows and the mosaics from several different angles. Uh, we're going to study them from an artistic angle. How are they made? What colors stand out? And what is distinctive about them? And I do invite your eyes to wander. Don't look at me. I'm not the main event here, right? Uh, the windows are. So please, please let your eyes uh, wander to, to look at the windows. Uh, then we'll study from a historical angle. Who made these windows? Where and when were they made? How much did they cost? Theological angle. Uh, what are the images? Why these images and not any others? And do these images capture the story? Are there elements that might be missing? And from where or which gospel are these stories drawn? And then spiritual angle is how do these windows and mosaics draw us deeper into faith? So as we begin our class, we have to first orient to one another and to our surroundings. So regardless, uh, regarding ourselves, we have to recognize that we're different people, right? We read different translations of the Bible, and when we do, we visualize the stories a little differently in our heads. Some may have a very vivid imagination, while others might struggle to see the stories. We have different uh, artistic abilities and perceptions, right? 
I know I am not a visual artist. Give me a song and I'll sing it, but give me a canvas and I will not paint on it, right? Um, and uh, some of us may actually remember when these windows were installed. I don't have that, that memory, right? Of course, that was long before I was here and long before I was born as well. Um, but essentially, into this class, we all bring our idiosyncratic histories and our abilities. So let us recognize that and let us mutually appreciate that together. And each one of us could probably stand where I am and teach this class from a different angle. Uh, and so I don't want this to just be a lecture-based class. I want it to be a class of, of reflection and sharing as well. So if in week one you sit here and you see something, and then week two you come back and you say, I didn't notice that thing last week. How did I not? Share that. Share those aha moments with the group. Because chances are I haven't seen it either, right? So you all bring something to the table. Well, now regarding our surroundings, let's do some geographic orientation, right? So, if you look up there, the large healing window, that is the largest window in the sanctuary, and that faces north, right? So, that is north. And then the mosaics, mosaics and the windows start all the way here, where you see letter M1, that is mosaic one, and it's, I'm not and then this is window one, but I'm not putting a W there, right? Just one, and that'll become a little clearer why I've given these numbers the way I have. But the story starts there, mosaic one, and the very middle medallion, which we'll come back to that in a moment, continuing chronologically around the room, right? Ending with mosaic two. And that is the exception of the healing window. The healing window doesn't follow that same chronological progression, but that'll become clearer a little later. So these are, uh, 1 through 12 are the single, what's called lancet windows, um, and that starts with the birth of Jesus and goes all the way through to the ascension. So 1 through 12. And historically, these windows were installed first, and they actually started with 1, 2, 3, and 10, 11, 12. Those first six were installed, and then the next six were installed. And these two mosaics here on either end of the 12 serve as a bookend, serve as bookends to the story of Jesus, and they were installed last. They are not windows. Some people have asked me, why aren't those windows? because there's building on the other side, so we couldn't have them be windows, right? Um, but I will say that one, as many of you probably already know, there is building on the other side of that window, uh, and I believe back before the 50s renovation, maybe Jerry can help me out here, I believe that was an exterior window at one time. We're not sure. I don't know. But that, is not an, that does not go outside. There is a little fancy closet with lots of lights in there that make it look like it's, kind of makes it look like it's outside, right? And that, of course, is the rose window. But these mosaics have building on the other side of them. And so when, when the windows were all installed, people said, well, there's all this space up there. Why aren't we using it? Well, we can't put a window there. What are we going to do? Let's put a mosaic there instead. And I happen to believe these are the most beautiful parts of our sanctuary, these mosaics. I could just stare at these all day. I love the windows, and I love the mosaics just a little more. So these 14, the lancets, the windows and the mosaics as well, they all share a common pattern. So look at the top of any one window. There is a little triangle there, and that is called the shield. And the, the shield for the 12 windows, 1 through 12, uh, they uh, depict the apostles, right? Some, something related to the apostles, often a story of how they were martyred, right? So like over, over here, there's a saw and an axe, and um, yeah, there's all sorts of weapons of destruction, right, instruments of death here, that, um, that those pertain to 
the, the apostles and their martyrdom. Sometimes they don't have them. We'll get back to exactly who they pertain to in a bit. Um, but for these mosaics here, there are shields, but there aren't 14 apostles, right? There's only 12. Um, so they had to come up with something else to put in those shields. So there it's the star of Bethlehem, and here it is the sending out of the Holy Spirit, right? Then the very center of each window and mosaic, the largest section, that is called the upper medallion. And uh, each one of those uh, has a biblical story going again chronologically around the room. And at the bottom, in that fancy, fancy um, shape there, that is called the lower medallion. And the lower medallion of the windows contains a mixture of modern historical, that is, not biblical images uh, and stories going back to the start of the nation and the beginning of Presbyterianism, with the exception of this one here. Mosaic 2, um, it's funny, the more you look at these, the more you see, oh, that's different from the rest. This is one of those. This lower medallion, does anyone know what this is? Shout it out if you know. Is it what? Any idea? It, this is a, one of the hardest images to, to uh, figure out as well. Hmm? It's not Joan of Arc. This is actually the only biblical, quasi-biblical story in uh, the, the lower medallion. All the rest are historical European-American history. This is an imaginative story of Jesus on the right with the red and the white and the halo leading the woman of the church. So the church is personified as a woman, right? This is the day of Pentecost above, so there is some correlation. Birthday of the church, Jesus is leading us on. So that's the only non-biblical story. It's an imagination of what, you know, Jesus is doing, but go ahead. You're right. That is a biblical one as well. So, um, thank you, Jerry. Uh, th this is, I mean, we didn't quite have the whole story, but we know this is being birth of Jesus. What happened before the birth? The star. And then the, this is the, uh, the, the, the upper medallion. It's the prophets hearing about Jesus coming. In the lower medallion, the you don't see angels, but the angels are singing and telling the shepherds. There we go. Thank you, Jerry. Um, and that's what, I, that's what I need, right? So I am no, uh, I'm not the master of all these windows. I am, I am still learning from them as much as you all are. So please feel free to call me out and say, what about, what about? That's great. So um, throughout this class, we will be, as I said already, focusing on groupings of the windows and moving around the room. Um, and that's something I actually encourage you to do if you are able throughout the class. If we're talking about a particular window and you, you may have an old prescription or you may say, my prescription, I just got these new glasses last week, but I still can't see that. Go over and move over. That's okay. Um, it's okay to move while I'm speaking, right? So um, you are invited to get up and move around the room as the need arises. Okay. So, in 1952, the Sanctuary of Christ Church was renovated, resembling about its present form. And, can I have a, a little helper here? Thank you. Can you pass those out? I think there's probably a few more. So, if you came, if you came in the car with someone else today, uh, could you share this handout with, with that person? So, um, on top of this uh, page that I'm, I'm passing out, um, it is a picture of the, what the nave looked like following the renovations, but prior to the installation of these stained glass windows. So they did the whole sanctuary first, and then they looked at those windows and said, maybe we need to get new windows too. So that's what they did. And um, as, as those are being passed out, I want to highlight, so I, I spoke with Richard Haldy, the historian, you know, 
child of the church, who now is a his, the church historian practically, right, who came last year for TAG, and he sent me some pictures, and I want to pass this one around. It's a, it's a little grainy, but um, this is a picture of what the sanctuary looked like. Feel free to pass it around here. Um, a little bit of a traffic jam. There we go. This is a picture of what the sanctuary looked like back in 1912. And if you've ever heard the story, you know the sanctuary was flipped and flipped, right? It's been flipped twice. Uh, this picture depicts when the sanctuary was, uh, wait, wait. This is 12, 1912. I actually don't remember. The point is, not the picture on your handout. There's another picture coming around. Um, but the point of this picture that I want to really highlight is something that I did not know, and many people are like, there's no way, That's, that can't be true. What happened, that at some point or other, the floor of the nave was about here, right? And you can, when you take a look at this window, you can see that the pews go to the bottom of where these windows are. Now, these windows are not those windows, but they're the same outline, right? It's the same place of the window. So the pews, the bottom of the pews would have been here, and then pew beyond that. And in 1950, just like we're having this conversation today about accessibility, they thought people are living longer. This was back in the 50s, right? People are living longer. People are less and less mobile. We need to lower the sanctuary floor and there, Richard Hawley also said he had heard that there was some word that they may have lowered the basement beneath us a foot or two, but he could not confirm that. So that's uh, unknown. But uh, they lowered the floor so you wouldn't have as many steps when coming in. Didn't know that. And you can tell this because if you can, if you can peek out that door to the right of the exterior doors, you see an opening for a window. That top point of that window, and you go outside, there's a whole row of windows here and a row of windows here that if we could take off this wood paneling, you would see windows on the other side directly below the stained glass windows. So that is another exterior architectural indication that the floor was indeed higher at one point. Okay. Yes? Yeah, the windows below are just plain glass. Yeah, leaded. Mm -hmm. Okay, so do we all have a handout now? Or we, can, we have access to it. Okay, so what, this is 1952, before these windows were put in. So what architectural features do you notice? What's different and what's missing? This is the class participation part. The light fixtures are missing, okay? Yeah, absolutely, what a great eye. Yep. Now there were, um, before I had found this picture from 1912, I wondered if there were lights in, in here at all before, uh, but for the windows, because these windows are, are much lighter, as you can see, a lot more light coming through them. They're a patterned glass. They don't have images in them. They're just patterns, right? Um, but a lot more light came through, so did you really need as much lighting? Until I saw the picture of 1912, I wondered, maybe there weren't any lights at all. But that was not the case. There were. I think this is just before the last stage of putting these, um, putting these windows, or excuse me, the lights on. What else is, do you notice about the picture? That's exactly right. The healing window. So take, take your, your picture here and, and compare it with the healing window. It's pretty different. It has the same general outline, but if you count here, there are four lancets on the bottom. Here we have three, with the center one being larger. And then there's three. This is a, new, this is a good Scrabble word for you. Uh, it's quatrefoil. It's all one word. And uh, I think it's, is it on your paper there? I think it is, uh, that have three uh, quatrefoil or four-leafed uh, insignia there at the top. Okay, 
So following the dedication of this renovated sanctuary in 1952, the congregation moved forward with replacing the, quote, colored glass nave windows, which were in an advanced stage of deterioration and unsafe, having been installed in 1902 as replacements to the 1871 building. So that comes to us from the booklet um, commemorating the dedication of the, the renovated nave back in 1952. Now, I have a story from uh, Richard Haldy that he said, when these windows were installed, lots of people were not happy, which we can't imagine today, right? These are gorgeous windows, and most of us can't remember what was here before. But back then, just as people are wont to do, right, uh, people were unhappy, saying, why didn't we just keep the old ones? They were beautiful. We could have had them restored. Um, but Indeed, this is, this is what came about, and I know I'm thankful that these, are, these windows are here in our sanctuary. Um, and as I said, but, uh, what I've been able to find, the windows on the east and west, they were relatively plain with some um, tracery and some symbols, but I do not believe they contained any faces or any biblical scenes at all. Okay. Yes. Really? Okay, so I don't exactly know. I have, so remember I had, had put out a call for wedding photos to see if anyone had good pictures of these. I didn't get any, lots of people said, oh, I thought I had, I can't find, I didn't have any. So the best I could come up with is a black and white photo from 1921 that shows the windows from the exterior, and it looks like they may be a little colored, and I can pass this around too if you'd like. Um, that's a picture of Rally Day in 1921. Um, and you can see, if you really squint and look closely, you can see that there were some images, but not descript and not, not biblical scenes like we have. But I did not know that. So do you have a piece of the glass somewhere? Does anyone else remember that? being able to pick out the glass. Uh, she had said that when the windows were, the, when the old windows were taken out, she remembers as a youth being able to uh, take some of the old windows that were offered up to anyone in the congregation who wanted them. That's a story I haven't heard. That's great. Nobody else remembers that? I, I believe you. I believe you. I just wondered if, I really want to see if anyone has the glass. There you go. Okay. So, Prior to April of 1957, right, so where were you in 1957? Okay, so prior to then, the trustees and an ad hoc stained glass window committee needed to choose a company to create our stained glass windows. And they found the George L. Payne Company of Patterson, New Jersey, which represented the J. Whipple Company of Exeter, England. So founded in... Uh, 1789 Whipples have designed, supplied, and installed countless stained glass windows throughout the world. And the George L. Payne Company uh, was a family-led company that specialized in new stained glass and stained glass renovation and restoration. And the, the Payne legacy, uh, family Payne, excuse me, the Payne family legacy in the stained glass window business included an association with the studio of Tiffany. Right? So Tiffany Glass, there was an association, right? So if you imagine, how do these windows connect us to other people, right? Because they, they were made, these windows were all made in Exeter, England and shipped over, right? So it's a piece of the world here, but the people who installed them had connections to Tiffany, right? So these aren't Tiffany windows, don't walk away thinking that, um, but they had connections too, right? Um, and Whipple's, is still a company uh, in business today. I, was, I found a lot of my information from talking to one of their representatives, Brian Marshall, who was very helpful um, in getting everything together for today uh, and this, for this month. But following George Payne's death, Payne Studios merged with a former competitor, Rolf's Stained Glass, Stained and Leaded Glass, which is located in Mount Vernon, New York. And they were also helpful in giving us some, some facts, which I'll share later. So, 
I contacted, speaking of Whipple, when I found out that these were Whipple windows, I called them and I said, this is who we are. I would love to find out if you have any files on us. And they said, well, let me, let me call the main office back in Exeter and see if they do. Sure enough, I had a stack of this thick folder with over 200 pages of correspondence. Uh, thank you, David. David, Thana White. Um, this is a copy. So if you wanted to look through, this is a copy of everything they sent there in that two-inch binder back there. Um, so they had 200 pages, but this is only half the story. It's like the epistles, right? You only get half the story. Um, because it's just going from the Payne Studios back to Whipple. Payne to Whipple and back and forth. There's nothing in there directly from us. Um, and as far as I can tell, none of that was, was uh, maintained or kept. But 200 pages of stories back and forth, and there are some really interesting ones, such as here, May 1st, 1957. This is from George Payne Studios, New Jersey, to England, saying, uh, in the nave there are 12 windows, Gothic shape, and the sills of the windows are approximately nine feet from the floor. They want these windows to incorporate subjects from the life of Christ. Now, because of the height of the windows compared with the width, I've suggested, and the committee wholeheartedly agrees, that the subject should be in medallion form with the remainder of the window ornamental, consisting mainly of blues and mainly of reds. Little or no greens. And this is a point, if you look, you can see some greens. Um, and I've been told, again, through Richard Hawley, this is not in a book, this is just what he remembers, that some people were unhappy about the, the, how much green there was in the windows. But The blues should shade up from fairly light to dark, in other words, fairly well scattered. In the top of the window, it may be a good idea to incorporate symbols of the 12 apostles. And in the bottom, perhaps a small medallion depicting some historical subject pertaining to the Presbyterian church. We know all that already, right? But now I want, yeah, I want you to take a few minutes and imagine that you're a part of this stained glass window committee from long ago, right? And I want you to figure out what should you include in these windows? What would you choose? If you had to summarize the life of Christ into 12 stories, 12 images, which would you choose? Obviously, we have to hold on to Jesus' birth. Obviously, his death, resurrection, ascension is pretty important. So, you don't have to figure out 12. You need to figure out eight. And don't cheat too much, right? We know what's up there. But I want you to, to go inside a little bit and in, introspectively, in a group, um, introspectively, just consider and ponder what would I include? What are the most important stories to me? What speaks to me? And when I read the Gospels, what, what beautiful images come to my mind that I have to put in a stained glass window for the church so that they will be lifted up in faith. So take, take three, four minutes with a neighbor and uh, just jot down some ideas, right? So three or four minutes, go.
those out. Uh-oh. I hear the Okanax have more than eight. That's okay. And Roger. Okay. This one? Yeah, you want to pass that one down? Okay. So what stories did we come up with as essential? Jesus' baptism, okay. Ooh, walking on the water. That was a great one. That would be a good one to see too, right? Fun to depict. Raising Lazarus, I heard, I heard one, somebody else say that back there, yeah? Feeding the 5,000. Woman at the well, feeding of the 5,000. Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. So some of these are included, some of these are not, right? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll get there in a second, but I also heard uh, Catherine had said, uh, I love, we just talked about the story a few weeks ago, the woman reaching out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Right? What a beautiful image that would be to put into a window. Transfiguration. Oh, transfiguration. Jesus is teaching in the temple, right? As a youth, the only thing we know from his youth. Okay, great. Any other ideas we haven't heard around the, around the room? I'm being given a... Somebody over here have a good idea? Woman at the well. Coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Okay. So we have a lot of good ideas, and I'm sure there's more that we haven't shared still. So uh, you should have also now received another page that looks like this. So this top image here, does, does everyone, can everyone at least see one of these? So this is a... Um, a drawing that I found in these 200 pages from Whipple um, of what they proposed. How about we use these images for the, the windows? And I'm just going to read them in chronological order. So they suggested nativity, boy in the temple, baptism, right? Now we're at window three, baptism. So far, so good. Then for number four, they said, temptation in the wilderness. That didn't come about. That's, that's on the original sketch, the original ideas, but that did not happen. Um, then the calling of the apostles. That's actually what is in window four here. Window five, they said, um, or actually, uh, window five, they suggest it should be calling of the apostles, um, but it actually now is the Sermon on the Mount. So Sermon on the Mount, people, good job, you got a point. Um, and then for window six, which is pretty hard to see from the floor, um, they had suggested that it be the miraculous uh, draft, thank you, of fishes, right? So when they had the, the fish that they draw, okay, read it. When they got caught a lot of fish, how's that? Um, but that, number six, is Jesus performing the miracle of loaves and the fishes, right? Which we just talked about last week in church. And then they said for window seven, again, very hard to see from the floor, they suggested the feeding of the multitude, which we liked, but we moved around a little. And seven is the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Eight, they suggested, that should be the entry into Jerusalem. But in fact, we said, no, Lord's Supper, we should put that. Uh, that's, that's more important. All that, you know, the numbers are all a little off. They said Last Supper, uh, and we said, no, we really want Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, which um, I didn't hear around the room. And um, I don't know if that would make it into my top 12 either, but I'm glad it's there. And it's a beautiful, number nine, uh, Lancet number nine over here. I encourage you to, once we're finished here, take a moment and look at it because it really is some beautiful imagery. And um, when we talk, we're going to talk next week about the artist uh, who did these. 
And uh, he loves using some particular features of that in other churches as well. So we'll see pictures of that in coming weeks. Um, okay, so 1 through 12 of those, um, those upper medallions. So going from the birth, boy in the temple, baptism. Jesus calling the disciples, Sermon on the Mount, multiplication of loaves and fishes, triumphal entry, Jesus instituting Last Supper, praying in the garden, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost. So it moves us through the whole of the Christian story, right? And there's even here, right, you even have some of the prophets who foretold the coming of Jesus. So there is a lot here, and I'm not going to give you all of these details here. On that right column, it says drawn from in details. That's kind of for you. If you want to really delve into this, um, these, these are not all from one gospel. These are taken from, from certain gospels. Uh, but I will say, because I heard the woman at the well a few times, uh, if you look in the healing window, the very bottom on the right, it's kind of hard to see. You might have to squint. But that is where the woman at the well story came about and came in. So I wonder if once these 12 were put in and then the healing window was put up, I wonder if somebody said, we should have put the woman at the well up there. And then the other one is the Good Samaritan, right? So I'm not sure exactly how those two pains were chosen, but I have to wonder if it was just like what we did here. After all the 12 were put in, people said, but what about, but what about, those are my favorite stories. I really want to see those up there too. So those were incorporated into the healing window. Okay. So. I, you know, Brian, I actually think that I do need a handheld microphone. Could somebody, does somebody want to grab one of those from up there? Is there a particular one I could use or just whichever one has battery power on it? Thank you, Jenny. So in these, thank you, in these um, pages of correspondence, we're obviously not going to read them all, but I do want to read some of them. So we're going to uh, start. I need a reader. Would someone be willing to read in a loud voice for me here? So, Roger. On May 1st, in other words, exactly two months ago, I sent you a very desirable inquiry for 12 large side windows plus a large front window. And I asked for a sketch which we would present to the church. I have a faint, oops, I have a faint recollection of Mr. Payne, foolishly perhaps, wrote in a postscript on my letter stating that the church was so enthusiastic after my visit that they had more or less dedicated a place of order with us and had ruled out any competition. I feel this postscript must have made you overconfident. Otherwise, surely you would have sent me some designs by now. <laughs> I realize that Mr. Payne had been giving you some of his own priority jobs and that Mr. Erridge must have been quite busy. But here is a church raring to go and you are doing little or nothing <laughs> to cooperate in getting the order. <laughs> so how about a little action, please? <laughs> okay. So this is, this is the 1950s sassy, right? So uh, I just love how they're still polite, but there's this sense of, get this done already. So that was um, from uh, F. Fred Weeks, uh, who was one of the representatives for the George Payne Company, and he wrote that to Whipple, right? So we had some unexpected delays. We really wanted these windows done by um, Easter of 1950. So we contacted them in April of 57, right? So we're, we have a year. We have a year, right? That's no problem at all. It might be. Uh, who would like to read uh, letter number two? Sure. 
Thank you, Lori. This is again from the same person, Fred Weeks, from the George Payne to Whipple. Okay. Received your cablegram advising that Canton will clear July 26th. This, however, does not do me any good. Because if you do not dispatch the Canton sketch until the 26th, it means that it will be in August before the sketches are received here, way over three months after you received the inquiry for this red-hot job. <laughs> the chairman of the committee phoned me yesterday from Canton to ask where the sketches were in the fact that he has been on a long tour of Europe since the time I met him in Ohio. The trouble is, how can a church have faith in us to produce windows if we keep them three months waiting for a small design? <laughs> okay, so, thank you, Lori. May I squeeze here? So I'm so glad we have these letters, right? They really reveal a whole story beyond the story, behind what was put, beyond what was put into the history books, right, uh, or the books about the windows. I, we couldn't have known any of this without these correspondences. So they really are helpful. Letters back and forth, a lot of that kind of a tone of, really, you need to get on this or else they're going to go with somebody else and we're going to lose the job, right? Uh, as I said, they wanted the, works, the work done by Easter of 1958. Um, and they said so in a letter in October. And then in December, um, we received a package of, we received multiple things, right? This is back and forth and 200 pages. I'm, I can only talk about so many things. But in December, we uh, got a letter saying, we have, we have the pleasure in enclosing herewith cartoon photographs, cartoon is the word for the design, it's not like a comic strip cartoon, uh, car cartoon photographs for the above job as follows, bases, so this is the lower medallion, landing of the Pilgrim Fathers, I think it's, on, it's right here, right, that's a good one, um, and then the coat of arms of Bristol, England, This is what they sent. They sent a picture of this over. I don't have the original, but this is as best as I could find. A coat of arms of Bristol, England, where Methodism originated. <laughs> so they may not have been paying attention to the name of the church, First Presbyterian at that time, right? Um, they were writing these letters and just the, the big disconnect here. So... Uh, let us continue on. We have a few more notes here. Who else would like to read? Jan? January 27th, 1958. George L. Payne to W.H. Reese, J. Whipple and Company. Sorry, but none of the people at Canton like the Ascension Medallion. Now, concerning the lower subjects, this being a Presbyterian church, they naturally want Presbyterian subjects. Imagine that. <laughs> they say you are submitting Methodist subjects, and that John Wesley, Charles Wesley, and the coat of arms of Bristol are definitely Methodist. <laughs> I am sorry, but these latter three will have to be changed. If we could call one of the Wesley pictures by some Presbyterian name, you could use that. And keep in mind, they wanted something like John Calvin, John Knox, and probably the Westminster Assembly on any of the figures of the Presbyterianism. Probably John McKenney, who was the first Presbyterian parson in the USA. I thought this job was one to be done by Easter. Looks like we will have more delay. <laughs> and that was the end of January of 1958. Thank you, Jan. For... Okay. 
Right. So they thought we were Methodists. They tried to put John Charles Wesley, the fathers of Methodism, right there in the windows, along with that coat of arms at Bristol where Methodism really began. And uh, I don't I'm, I don't have it confirmed, but I happen to wonder if in number nine back here on the very top, those two men were actually John and Charles Wesley initially, and we just called them by another name. I don't know. Obviously, we had no pictures back then of these, these brothers, so you could get creative and say whatever, they, you say whatever you want or draw them however you want. But Okay. Then... Um, Then we got another letter to, and I'll read this one, give you all a break for a moment here, uh, from February, just a few days later after this last letter. The order placed with you, this is from the New Jersey to England again, saying, this order placed with you back in October was for delivery at Easter, and our contract, bum, 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 written by the church's lawyer, calls for an Easter delivery. The works have had three months now, and the month of February would be four, during which we feel that these six windows could have been completed. The contract also reads that we are to supply six windows for Christmas. So the first six windows by Easter of 58, the next six windows by Christmas of 58. What can I tell these people about Easter delivery, and if they order six more during March, could they be shipped in October? to ensure a Christmas installation, you certainly have a production problem with a bigger one coming up as the orders continue to pour into you. So, what happens? Easter, April 6th, 1958. Easter comes. The windows have still not arrived. People were disappointed. Sometime in, it may have very well, I, I think it may have been the first few weeks after Easter, but sometime bef between Easter and, uh, so April and July, those first six windows were installed. And uh, that means that for a period of uh, a while, we'll figure out exactly how long, these back six were still the old, right? So we had six new and six old while England was still trying to figure out what's going to go in all those windows, right? The first six were installed sometime between April and July of 1958. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a few more, few more notes here. Where do they all go to? Well, maybe I don't. Oh, there they are. Who else would like to read it? This is a short one. Somebody else wants to read? <laughs> I'm getting eyes. Please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is from Fred Weeks from the uh, George Ping Company to England. I went to this church and met with the committee, and they expressed their thanks for such fine windows as were recently installed and they have authorized us to send a further contract for the remaining six windows in the name. Did I say that right? We sincerely hope that you do have a complete record of the glasses used, the type of treatment used in the painting, because these windows must be an exact match. An exact match. That is a really important phrase, because we're going to look at these windows. Remember that they said the, f the front six were installed first. Thank you. And then the back six also had to go in. So if they're already here in England, they've got, or they're, excuse me, they were already sent from England here, they don't have the originals or the final products to compare with as they're making the final six. So they have to be an exact match. Do you think they did it? They got pretty close. They got pretty close. I invite you to just look for a moment at, at Lancet's three and four. Just, just compare, don't even, between the upper and lower medallion, I want you to compare the colors used. Are those exact? The green is lighter in four, or in nine, if, if you're looking at the, uh, the, the east there. So there's a little bit of a difference 
not too different. More green. They're certainly lighter, right? The back six are lighter than the front. A lot more light can come through them. Okay. Two more notes. Who wants to read? This one's a short one. Whoop. So this is again from New Jersey to the Whipple Company in England. They say... Please enter our definite order for six additional windows for the nave of this church. These windows oh, are... Oh, I'm sorry. Isn't that the one you just read? Is that the one you just read? No, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. These windows are to be exactly the same as the six already installed in color and in treatment of painting. Discuss this with Mr. Arage because I did discuss a recent visit to the church with him while he was in America. I sincerely hope that you did keep a careful record of the glasses used. Okay, so here comes Christmas of 1958. What do we think happened? Were the windows here? No, the second six windows did not arrive as had hoped, as we had hoped, or as the lawyer had stipulated in the contract, right? Um, and from a few weeks after that, uh, we hear another letter. This is again from Fred Weeks uh, to the George, uh, to, to the Whipple Company of England. He says, "We have received a telephone call. In fact, two telephone calls from the church here in Canton, asking." What is happening about the windows they have on order? Now, as we are drawing to the close of January 1959, we feel that we should give our customers some good news, especially bearing in mind there are still some additional windows to be ordered, including the large window in the front of the church. Please let us know by return when we can anticipate receiving the photographs of the full-size drawings and also when you will plan to complete the work. This is definitely a must, in all capitals, on your list. So, sometime between April and June of 1959, the cartoons, the sketches, for the remaining six windows were sent here and approved and ordered by July of 59. So this means that there was a period of over a year where the sanctuary remained, retained six of the old windows with six of the new windows. And it's, it's unclear exactly when uh, the second set of six were installed, but it believed it took place in the second half of 1959, hopefully prior to Christmas. But the next Christmas, they had to probably wait uh, a good long while. So now in our remaining few moments before uh, we disperse and resettle for worship here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the cost of the windows. People always say, how much do you think those things cost? Well, uh, from one letter from England back, right, to New Jersey, to the George Ping Company, he said the cost to supply will be about 297 pounds. The cost above is comparatively low for this type of window, but as the design will be repetitive, we can save a little t uh, money here and ring the changes on color and medallions. So about 300 pounds, uh, which is about $830 US, which uh, back then, which was a lot of money. Today, it's hard, to, it's really hard to do money conversion over a period of time, but my, the best calculator I could find estimates that it would be about fifteen to $17,000 for each of these windows in today's dollars. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, <coughs> yes. And then, uh, I, so I contacted, remember that the George Payne Company, our middleman, the ones with whom we talked the most, and they were the people who talked with England, they... Um, Eventually, once everything else was installed, we contacted the George Payne Company again and said, we need some mosaics. What can you recommend? And we'll talk a little bit more about them next week. But since we're talking about cost, um, he, he said that they cost back then about $5,000. This is about 1962, 63. 
uh, that these were installed, and he said, this is Peter Rolfe of the Rolfe, you know, I talked to the director of the Rolfe Stained Glass, Stained and Leaded Glass Company. He said, are you Episcopalian? Some other confusion about our church, right? But this was, a, he was saying, I see these pictures, and I cannot believe these mosaics belong in a Presbyterian church. He said, I've been a Presbyterian my whole life, and I have never seen such beautiful mosaics in a Presbyterian church. And he's in the business, right? I don't think he was pulling my chain. I think he was being honest here. And he said, if you had to replace those today, they would cost you about $75,000 each. Each. It is a lot of intricate work. It takes a long time to perfect. And they are mighty large. Yeah? So... Um, we are almost out of time here, but I want to invite you, if you can, class will start next week at 9.15, just like it did today. But if you're able, come 15 minutes early. Come at 9 o'clock, and there will be a little pre-class activity. I know. Sorry, Linda. You'll have to you can grab a cup of coffee on your way in. Not the one here, because it's decaf. Grab some coffee. And if you don't want to, that's okay. Um, if you, can't, if you can't roll a bed in time, that's okay. But if you can, if you're an early person, come, and we'll do some pre-class activities, comparing and contrasting some things that we don't quite have the time to do in the full class. So come at 9 o'clock if you can. If you can't, come at 9.15 next week. We have just a minute for questions or comments. Anything? Roger. The question, the mosaics, they were 5,000 apiece in 1962? <sighs> That's the one thing I actually don't know if they were 5,000 each or 5,000 together. Okay. My guess is that they were 5,000 each, but I'm not. Between 62 and now, it's about 8 to 1 ratio, so they yeah. would have been $40,000 a piece. Yeah, they would have cost that back then. Back, yeah, right. Yeah, in, the, in their, right. Yeah. And are there, yeah. 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 Okay. Great question. Tom? That's a great question. Well, the birth, remember the first six stained glass windows were put in first. The mosaics were bookends. They were after the fact. So after everything was finished, people said, we need to add something in. So it was, if they had thought from the very beginning, we're going to put some mosaics there and put a star there, they may have switched it. That's a great idea. I never considered that. Good luck. I'll let, Roger said maybe we could move him. Maybe we could move him. Okay. Any other questions or comments from around the room? This will be our last one. Tom. Yeah. Is, is there glass on the outside to protect these? There is. There is some kind of protective um, glass, plastic, some kind of a frame. I'm not sure the material used to, to protect them from the outside. I do encourage you, if you want to get a little sun before we start worship, uh, remember how we talked about how behind this wood paneling there are windows, I encourage you to take a walk just into the courtyard and look at the height of the windows beneath and where they line up. It really is fascinating to think the floor, the height of the floor has changed so dramatically. And if we could take off this wood paneling, light would be coming through because there's windows right there, right? Interesting things to think. Thank you all for being here this morning. Before we, before we all disperse, can we say a word of prayer and then move into worship? Almighty God, we give you thanks for the gift of beauty, for the ways in which you have made our life beautiful. We thank you for the gift of these windows around us. May we, as we continue to learn more about them, may we be drawn closer to you and to your story, the ways that you have called us and the ways that you are still calling us even now and into the future. Be with us, almighty God, now and forever. Amen.